going on? Hey! It's your freaking mook, hey! Hey, it's your freaking mook. We're back at it again. We're back in town. We're back in action. Hey, the big boys are back in town. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Hey, guys. Hello. We're, we're fucking back, man. Oh, uh, shit. It's been too long. We've been on sabbatical. Been on sabbatical. That's what I keep calling it. Um... Actually, it was just Billy had a big project. She had to go out of town and film, and now she's back. I did. It was kind of an exciting project. We'll keep you posted. Fucking big things popping. Little Tight lips. Fucking dropping. Yeah. Right? Tight lips, sweetie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're very glad to be back, and I wanted to say a special fucking thank you to all of our fans. You know, few of you that there are. Listeners. Listeners. Thank you for reaching out and, and missing us. Yeah. Thank you for missing us. That's yeah. basically the crux of it, right? Yeah. It was it was kind of cool to be missed. It was cool to be missed. Um, if it ever happens again, feel free to call the police. We might be dead. Yeah. Well, I mean, there would be there would be uh, signs leading up to that, right? <laughs> yeah. There would be like increasingly talk about like alien or, or government right. or people like following us in fucking SUVs and shit like that, right? Or I was just talking about yeah, maybe like giving away all our possessions and everything and yeah. just like taking off. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, who knows? Anyway, what do we what? Uh, so this thing. <laughs> yeah, you wanna. Are you trying to introduce it, or what are you doing? I was working on an intro. (laughs) Was that good? (laughs) It was. It was. uh, It felt like you were. You were really. um, What's the word? You know, you were improv in it. Yeah, I was. I think I feel like I'm going to be doing a lot of improv. I haven't read the notes. But that's cool. But you watched the. You watched the preparatory. I watched um, the film. Yeah, I watched the film. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, this this whole episode is basically um, brought on by some rather um, big news. Around the Stoneheart uh, Casa. Oh, our house. Yeah. Yeah, our house. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know if it's really big news, Billy. I kind of find I've already thought I knew this, but. No, it's kind of big news. Um, basically, my wonderful sister in law um, and, and brother in law, Beth. Uh, Beth and Chris, got me um, for Christmas an Ancestry.com um, DNA kit, which I think was a hot item this this Christmas. But if you know if you know anything about Beth and Chris, they can make it happen. Yeah, they made it happen. They make it happen. Um, so I finally got my results back, and um, despite for anybody that's unaware, this is like you you like swab your mouth yeah. and you're you, no, you, you uh, spit in a vial. Oh, you spit! Oh, you spit in a vial. Yeah, kinky. It's cool. And you're like, yeah, pff, pff, take my shit. Like, what am I? And you send it to these people, and then they figure out like they do a breakdown of your DNA. And tell you basically where in the world you're from. Yeah, where your an- where your D- where, where DNA your D- ancestry fucking shit is. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not it's not so much like family tree. It's like your actual DNA. What? Where does that come? Where from? it come? Where you come from? And I was kind of interested in this. I have had a basically I had been told that we had like Swedish Swedish ancestry. Yeah, I thought I was marrying like a Viking um, goddess. Yeah. No. No, I I am ninety percent fucking limey. <laughs> you're you're not, no okay. Are we gonna do the thing? Because she Billy sent me a screenshot of the thing. Yeah, they give you a graph and everything. They give but you a. I, I'm ninety percent British. She's ninety percent English, and then the other seven percent is uh, Ireland, Scotland, Wales. Ireland, Scotland, Wales, which. 
don't know. If you were if you were ninety percent Scottish, I'd be, I'd feel a little bit more happy about my situation right now. But you're ninety percent English, seven percent Scottish, yeah. Irish, Wales, yeah. and then uh, a, 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 a fidgeting one percent Southern European, yeah. whatever the fuck that means. I, I really even know what. That and means. so that's pretty much it. So you're. There's no, there's no I feel Swedish. like your ancestors didn't move around a lot. No. And I mean, it doesn't really make, as Rob mentioned, it's not like a real shocker, but I kind of thought maybe there'd be something like cool and interesting in there. So yeah. For, so for everybody that's unaware, Billy's from Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think they know it by now. It's but a if, penal, you're, if you're it, the first time hey, listen. Hey, first time listener, first time caller. It's like, this happens all the time. All right. This could be somebody's first. They, they're like, we didn't even know you guys went on break. What are you talking about? Yeah. This is the first episode Shit, ever. so we blew it? Yeah. We, we could have just we, that, I don't know. That's why I was saying. Don't even say like we've been off for like a month yeah. or whatever. But anyway, uh, so Billy's Australian, but she thought she might have had some exotic legs, you know, yeah. some kind of cool shit. Which I would have seized on um, and, you know. Just Gotten a tattoo or something? Yeah, something like that. Um, I, I, I hung, hung a flag in our apartment, something. a fucking uh, a Swedish flag or something. But um, no, she's English and Irish English and Scottish and, Irish and, and Scottish Wales. And Welsh. And apparently there is some Welsh in there, which is my least, like, kind of. No, it's not. South African is. Yeah. At least I'm not South African. At least you're not South African. <laughs> However, um, it kind of does make sense to me. Like, apart from just the general, you know, everyone from Australia, a lot of people from Australia are pretty much English. But I, I did have a kind of weird, strange connection to the place. I, Because I, um, we used to live there. Well, well this is what I was going to say. In, in uh, 2003, actually be, before that, I had a... And and uh, a bizarre calling to Glasgow, Scotland, for no reason. I didn't have any family stuff there or whatever. I just knew that I had to go there, right? Mm-hmm. And on that fateful trip, we'll cover this in future episodes. Yeah, I was going to say, Bill, I thought that was more for like the wedding, like the when we renew our vows at 50 years yeah, or something. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, this is, we, Rob and I essentially met in fucking Britain. So, I mean, this is like, this is familiar territory to us. Yeah. And basically what I'm saying, and I, you know, I'm not really meaning to offend anyone, but it's also like, I'm just really speaking the truth. So if you get offended, (laughs) like whatever, but it's not exactly a fucking, a nice place, right? Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm just saying. It's got its charm, but. London town, old fucking blimey. It's, it's bleak and it's dark and it's grimy. It's very gray. It's um, full of fucking black puddings and boiled saveloys and fucking dirty pubs, off licenses, fucking parkies everywhere, bad teeth, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, kind, of, it's, kind, of, it's kind of a scary place. The cool thing about uh, the grimy, shitty side of London is that all the bums are dr- drinking like two liter bottles like... I don't even know if they still make them anymore, but like if you're from the Midwest in the nineties, they had like two liter bottles of soda, mm-hmm. but in, in London it's cider Yeah, and it costs about the same as soda. It's like two yeah, bucks, it's so cheap. but you got a two liter of cider, which is alcoholic. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's got alcohol, a yeah. lot of alcohol in it and it's like ice. It's like ice cider or whatever. Yeah, and all, you see all these bums. It's the, it's the English equivalent of malt liquor, essentially. It is, because they don't have malt liquor over yeah. there, which is why I had to import it when I would live there. That's but, true. <laughs> but Again, we'll make I think we've talked about that before, but <laughs> it's like, it, everything's weird over there. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Everything's not necessarily better. And then the thing is, they have some of the fucking scariest English serial killers are fucking scary, right? Well, in... 
in general, like English criminals are kind of scary because they don't really have guns as much over there. Like I'm sure like biker gangs and shit, they could have guns and shoot people, but they do weird shit. Yeah. They do like English shit where they like hit you. They like rip your nose off with a claw hammer. Yeah. All the guy Richie stuff too. They like get you and feed you to pigs while you're still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Or they like, yeah, they, they they hit you in the head with a, with a hammer and then they like rip your nose off with the claw and, or they like put a crowbar up your ass or something like everything is weird. Like, so my thing with England is like, I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm done, dude. Well, I'm fuck cut to the. Sh- I'm cutting the shit. Yeah, and ha- we're we're just as I said, we're not meaning to offend, but if we do, I mean, they're I the most know. offendable people ever. So I went over there in 2002, mm-hmm. and I was like from the United States of America, and I was did a transfer program where I was going to the Slade Art School in London, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, it's gonna be easy because like London, you know, America, like we're cool, like. We're, yeah. We've been, we've been like, we've had our beef. No, we're cool no, now. We, I thought we were like adversaries or like partners or something. And I go over there, and this was fair enough. Like while Trump, no, 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 Bush, Bush, yeah, second term Bush, yeah. So when uh, Bush had been yeah. reelected, basically, uh, he had yeah. just been reelected. Yeah. So I went over there when Bush had been reelected, and I caught so much shit from these fucking people. And I'm thinking, like, I'm going to art school. These are our allies. Everybody's gonna be open minded. Yeah. No, dude. Everybody just gave me shit in England. All they talk about is fucking politics, house parties, art parties. They're talking about politics. They're going. You're, I bet your parents voted for Bush. And it's got a lot of the kind of like the unions and the like the young socialists kind of like. I didn't meet cool people like that. I met like assholes and uh, and people that were like people just wanted to fuck with you. a they lot. They wanted to fuck with me a lot, and yeah. I was like, I wasn't having it. So I had the American flag hat, and I'd be like, "Fuck you, I'm a cowboy," you know. Yeah. And everything was like very wild. But the thing about England is like it's very inconvenient. Like if you go to the post office, there's no tape. There's no envelopes. If I went to the wood shop at the Slade, you gotta go to the envelope store. To they're like, they're the like, why would we? Have? I'm like, this is the post office. They're like, why would we have tape? Yeah, it's I'm like, very because different. I'm sending a fucking package. You dipshit. Mm-hmm. You need tape. You need packages. You need if, if. But in America, everything's very convenient. So like over there, they don't have street signs. They haven't caught on to that yet. Like that's a that's amazing technology they haven't caught on to. So what you do is you kind of look up the side of an old building, and there's like a a placard. At the top from, of like from the like plague times from you the know? plague like it's a, yeah it's a, uh, you're like what street a, I don't I don't know what street I'm on let me look at the side let me let me let me ganger four stories up on the side of this old building there's a there's an enamel sign that says you know Horsworth West West Cromwell's Horsworth West, West yeah oh, okay so that's where we're at oh okay and like when I would go to the wood shop to build stretcher frames to build a canvas they wouldn't have drill bits or blade and they'd be like. Well, this is the wood shop, but like you have to provide your own <laughs> drill bits, and I'm like, why would I have drill bits okay. if I don't have a wood shop? Okay, you kind of you you you're descending no, into I know like wankerish right now. No, I know so. I'm, I'm going I'm going on to the dark side. But I'm saying England is a very it's it's almost like you think you understand it, but it's very different. And here's the other thing too, and this is this will come up when we when we talk about our case today, but it was, it was kind of fucking tough there. And I think Rob just like hit the nail on yeah. the head. There's right? no tape at the post office. There's no drill bits things at the wood kind of, shop. Everything is hard. They make everything very hard. Things are kind of things were kind of tough, and especially in the '60s, you know, when we're, we're talking about here. Nothing's but easy. Just, just let's just um, just think about some of the famous are fucking you? serial killers that we have in England. You got right. Fred and Rosemary West, the House of Horrors, fucking crazy. You got the Mo- the Moors murderers. 
um, insane children killers. You got the Yorkshire Ripper. It's like some of the fucking most gnarly killers out there. What about that guy that was like he would cut up all those prostitutes? Jack the Ripper. <laughs> That's Jack good. The ye of old fucking <laughs> pussy pussy cutting out fame. The pussy cutting out fame. I tried to go on a Jack the Ripper tour, but they told me I had like a two hour wait, and I was like, I can't but do I, it. I went on it and it was awesome. Did you wait two hours? No, I we just booked it. We we girls, so we oh, booked it girls. in advance. Girls doing organizing. Yeah, smart. Yeah. So we went. Good for we, you, dude. You know I'm proud of you. Good for you. Me and Christina went on. It was yeah. amazing. And then you finish the tour by drinking in the fucking the bar um, where Mary Kelly was last seen. Oh, so are you drinking like vagina blood? No, you drink a fucking pint. God's sake. <sighs> they don't serve vagina blood on the tour. Well, that would make it a lot more authentic. <clears throat> anyway, today, in honor of my true homeland. We're going to be talking about one of my favorite serial, British serial killers, and a kind of unusual one, at least by today's standards, because he was a poisoner. And male poisoners are kind of rare. Mm-hmm. More of a more of a f- feminine crime. You want to know why it's a feminine crime? Because it's kind of like you're being a bit of a pussy. You're being a bit of a bitch. Well, like if I do, I think- like if I do, like honestly, and this is just. You know, take it or leave it. Sure. But if I want to kill somebody, like, I will walk up to them and I will either shoot them in the face or I will bash the fuck out of them. Sure. With a car or a baseball bat mm-hmm. or a cinder block or something. But to be like, I'm just going to put a little dab, like, I'm going to make him food and put little dibs and drabs in for for, for, for another t- six months to hopefully he dies. Like, I that's s- not a very masculine way to I kill somebody. I see what you're saying, but I think I will go on to prove that his crimes are actually kind of sicker than somebody who just bashes someone over the head and fucking knocks them out and kills them because he prolonged suffering and and took great attention into that but we we will get into that but i think that's like a wife thing to do we will get into that um and that's fucked up <laughs> don't don't I think you just got, like got away with I, got, that. I, I snuck that one under um anyway we're talking about mr graham young A.K.A. the teacup murderer. Teacup murderer? He was the teacup murderer. Well, that's and a- it's a bloody good yarn. So, what I would like to, I would like you to do right now is to transport yourself back to swinging London town. Old blimey, if you will. It's the early 60s. Scent of cabbage stew and factory smoke hang heavy in the air. Wait, right. early 60s L- London town, that's... That's fucking uh, Austin Powers. Austin Powers. I could see. I you could saw me see, doing the. Yeah. Doo, doo, doo. I could see you doing yeah. like the groovy baby. Groovy baby. <laughs> um, so we're in Austin Powers time. We're in Austin Powers time, but it's not as fucking. It's not velvet suits and swinging. It's like fucking you know factories and shit and like Skinheads. you know um, watching the telly and thinking about your holiday. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so let's, we're, we're all there. We yeah. transported back. Yeah, I'm there, dude. I'm fucking sitting here. I'm in front of you. Jesus Christ. We're not, come on. It's <laughs> early in the episode to start this bullshit. Um, okay. Graham Young. Um, Graham's mother dies shortly after his birth and he was basically sent away to live with his aunt and uncle or whatever. And then a few years later... I don't know how old he was, but he gets sent with his sister again. They all get reunited because his dad marries a new woman. 
So the children get sent to go live with the newlyweds. And I, I think it should be sort of just sort of put as a little footnote of like when you're that young and your mum dies, like I think she died like shortly after his, his birth and you're sent away to like live. You don't really have like proper – you don't form those connections that you're meant to when you're a baby. The intimate, um, you know, mother, yeah. So, I mean, let's just put a little note there that he wasn't exactly, you know, set up for success, if you know what I mean. So, I mean, I haven't read through these notes, and I know Mm -hmm. it's too early to be interrupting you, but are we doing a nature versus nurture thing here? Because I know it's always a big deal with these fucking kind of people. I don't think we're real. I mean, I don't think... I just just wanted to put that. I thought that was kind of interesting that it's like... Well, that's that's a nurture thing. It's like he didn't have a mom. He didn't have anything. He got kicked off into this weird people's house. Like, I mean, that's always what people try and figure out. Like, did this guy, like, cut all these people's dicks off and, like, rape their moms because... Because he was born, like, a crazy person? Or because... His dad, his dad beat him and then him. his mom like shot a bottle rocket up his butt and then everybody laughed at him and you know, yeah. like the nature of his situation. Well, we were just talking about this yesterday that usually there's the kind of like the, the trifecta for serial killers where it's like they don't form that attachment to like a parental figure when they're a kid. Yeah. They have a history of bedwetting, you know, so mm-hmm. they're, they're being punished for that. They're being told Constantly to be ashamed, ashamed of their body yeah. and like whatnot. Um, and they're mental. And well, often they have the frontal lobe injury. So no. a lot of them you'll find have had a head injury. Now, I tried to look into this with Graham Young and I couldn't find any. The only thing that I could find that was like, okay, weird upbringing was this separation that his mum died like shortly after birth. But right. I, I don't have the, the bedwetting. I don't have the head injury. I don't have any other information. So okay. he could have just been born bad if you will. Uh-huh. Well, you've done your due diligence. I mean, I guess we just keep going. <laughs> um, so young Graham, and it's kind of funny. His name's Graham Young, but I keep going back with like young Graham. Whatever. Um, I'm glad um, you find that fun. He expressed a pretty much an obsessive interest in his chemistry set, which was a very popular hobby for kids at the time. Now, these days, I think we think this is probably maybe a little bit weird but mm-hmm. this really was like i remember my stepdad had a chemistry set and like you seriously like got beakers and test tubes yeah. and your bunsen burners and shit yeah and you're your like house. heating up baking soda and throwing acid in it and yeah doing like doing whatever. Stuff. so it was it wasn't you know like a weird hobby or anything when he started out it'd be weird now yeah this is what i'm saying they wouldn't have the same kind of chemistry sets for kids. They wouldn't have access to the kind of chemicals that he did in the 60s in London. That's why kids are so fucking stupid. Because they don't... Because they're playing video... They're play, what's that thing? They're playing the thing on, on Instagram. What the thing, the thing that you used to do all the trade shows for. I don't the, know what The shooting... The oh, sho- Fortnite. They're playing Fortnite. They're not yeah. making. They're not making new chemical fucking... They're fucking playing Fortnite. Yeah, by the way, guys, I'm pretty much... Billy Billy blew up Fortnite. It's a long story. We're not going to get into it. Please don't get into it, Billy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Billy's responsible for the success of Fortnite. I'm somewhat. I have something to do with whatever, dude. So they're not playing Fortnite. They're like mixing chemicals and heating up shit. And beakers are over over. And so he was a very clever little fucking child, and he he immediately found a like a calling in science. 
He was initially encouraged by his family. The relatives all affectionately called him the little doctor mm-hmm. um, and, you know, teased him about his experiments and stuff like that. But it was kind of well known that he was like doing experiments and stuff like that. So he would go and get his chemicals refilled at the local pharmacy. And this is like back in the day, like he would literally go in with his chemistry set and they would be like, oh, yes, you need some more arsenic? Yeah, put it in here. Like, and they. That's so weird. And the, and the other thing I'll say is weird is like when I lived in London, the pharmacist was called a chemist. Yeah, I was. I have that. I have it alternatively called a chemist and a pharmacist because right. they are called. They're called chemists. And in Australia too, you ask the chemist. Right. So you're like, dude, I got, I got gnarly runs, dude. I got, I'm having like a severe blowout out the back end. I need some Metamucil. You go to the chemist. Metamucil is going to make it worse. Metamucil really? I don't know. I don't have diarrhea. I don't know how it works. You don't got to pick on me. All I'm saying is the fucking pharmacist in England is a chemist, not a pharmacist. Mm-hmm. And so he's walking there with a chemistry set that sounds insane Yeah. when you come from a normal country and like here. And then you go, oh, over there, the fucking pharmacists are chemists. And you remember in the movie, that was one of the coolest scenes of the movie. What movie? The movie we watched. Oh, about, about this. this kid? Oh, God. The fucking case that we're talking about right now. Oh, yeah. The movie about this. Yeah, I did watch that. Yeah, he's fucking, yeah, he's going to the chemist, and he's like, oh, I run out of this, I run out of this. let me top up your test tube. Yeah, it, it's fucking cool. Anyway, so he, he's, um, he's in there all the time, he's talking to the chemist, he's like, they're little, like, butt buddies, and uh, the chemist basically gives him a journal, and he's like, record your experiments in here, young, young Jedi, right. or whatever. Uh-huh. So he's, like, stoked, he's into it, right? Yeah. At some point, he's basically his interests start to take a turn to the dark side. Now, uh-huh. I can relate to this because this is what I was interested in as a child, mm-hmm. and I feel like you kind of were too. And I feel like all of these killers, there was like, ooh, and he got really into like dark, you know, research and stuff. And, uh-huh. and I was that child. Yeah. However, I just did not poison my entire family. Um, we'll do it quick. So, and also, you still are that child because you still do research all this shit, and then we do a podcast about it. Yeah, I love it. it. Anyway, so he basically he developed a morbid fascination with poison and the effects of different poisons, and he would just read every book he could find on this shit, as well as famous poisoners throughout the ages. Mm. So he started to kind of emulate and, and idolize some of these people who had killed a bunch of people with poison right like i don't know those people but i believe they exist like i don't know famous poisoners i think they're more, uh, like there's a bunch and i, I mean there's first of all them. mcdonald's we got mcdonald's we got burger king also known as hungry jacks in australia mm-hmm. there's another thing people that are in australia burger king in australia is called hungry jacks <laughs> that sounds like what's that movie where the kid is you're as as Slow is a slow child. Yeah, you're uh, mouthing a word to me that starts with R. No, it's, it's um. Were they in Vietnam? Forrest Gump. No, the fucking funny one where they got the kid that's with the hungry Jack. I don't know what you're talking. He's doing the like guy is weird. black. The guy is black. Robert Downey Jr. He's black. Oh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder. Wasn't that a thing with yeah, Hungry Jacks? It's, no, it's the um. Simple Jack is the Simple movie. J- <laughs> Simple Jack. <laughs> yeah, it's the, the yeah. 
I think you can say Riri, right? I, no, you can't say Riri, but he's Simple Jack. So, you know, so the retard, the, <clears throat> the situation. <laughs> No, just listen. You've tied, you've twisted yourself up in double knots. I uh, twist my up in double knots. <laughs> I used to hang out with this black girl in high school, and she would say, "You twisted up in double knots." That was her thing of like, "You got me fucked up." But anyway, Hungry Jacks is Simple Jacks, which is McDonald's in Australia. You know, we're we're not even halfway. We're just halfway down the first page because you keep interrupting. All right, well, I'm gonna stop, time. dude. I'm just saying, I, I was I, that little late for me because all the shit you've been saying, and I'm you know I have a lot to say about England. And then you said Hungry Jack. I, you did, I never said Hungry Jacks. I said poison, and then you said that the corporations are poison. Yes. Yeah. yeah. God damn That's it. a whole different episode, Rob. All right. Well, fuck. Okay, man. I gotta find my place now. We're on the second page, aren't we? No, we're not. We're totally not. Are we still on the first page? This is what I just said to you. Okay, you need to just rein it in a little. I'm reining it in, dude. Okay. Simple so, jacks. Nothing to do with hungry jacks, but hungry jacks is the Australian version of Burger okay, King. Okay, so he's poison. into he's into the poisons. He's studying va- famous poisoners. He's kind of kind of into it, right? Um, needless to say, Graham did not have very many friends. He was very strange and awkward around people, especially girls, um, because he would constantly just talk about like poisoners and, <laughs> and murderers and stuff and, and car accidents and this right. fucked up shit. Girls right? don't like that shit. I mean, you know, girls are kind I probably of like, would have been into it, but that's another thing. No, girls are nice. They like, um, they like cool shit. So through his research at one point, he discovered a poison called antimony sulfide. And this is mostly used in fireproofing and the manufacture of safety matches. Like it's the red shit on matches, this, the, the liquid stuff. But he got really into it because the poisoning symptoms include gastrointestinal distress, nausea, vomiting. The symptoms aren't too crazy. You know, mm-hmm. so he was like, "Oh, this this could be." They could say it's anything. So he seized on antimony as his first kind of poison that he wanted to kind of experiment with. Mm-hmm. And basically, in his research, he looked for poisons that mimic the symptoms of other diseases, so they'd be much harder to detect. Yeah, like you're not gonna, you know, your eyes aren't gonna bleed and there's foaming at your mouth. Like it's like he he was kind of clever. About He's like, it. "Oh, you got a cold and yeah, you died." Exactly. So at this point in his life, he's like 13, turning 14. Things are not particularly pleasant. Times were tough in Britain, as I think we painted a very good picture. Um, Money was tight. The family lived in a small sort of crowded flat, which would have been very tough as a teenager. His father was like a fucking angry man, like probably... Oh, what's that like? Drinking, and his sister and stepmother were nagging at him all the time. It wasn't... Just wasn't a great fucking life, you know? Mm -hmm. So, after some kind of final straw or, like, inciting incident, he decides that he's going to fucking get revenge, right? And now we use, like, a couple of different sources for the research. We keep mentioning this movie that we watched. There's a fantastic movie called The Young Poisoner's Handbook. Um, So... A lot of, or some of the stuff in that movie isn't exactly like, um, uh, you know, factual. It, it kind of paints a bit of a picture. We are like dipping into some of the movie stuff because I don't think that they're too far out of the course of, um, 
suspicion. You know what I mean? I think these these things could have happened. Yeah. They seem um, very real, plausible, yeah. right? So in the movie, basically, they suggest that his stepmother finds his porn stash. Which remember remember the, the his porn stash. Porn. Porn. His remember the picture of the nurse. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh yeah. Nurse Ether. Yeah. So he has his Esther, but you turn it to ether. She had these big old knockers. She had those big, like, you only really see in English 60s porn. Like, huge, big, flopping tits down to... Down to their waist. Yeah. Anyway. But they're kind of big all around, so you can't give them too much credit. Yeah, they're, uh, so, you know, dirty pillows, if you will. Dirty pillows. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I don't mean to take anything away from anybody, you know what I mean? Everybody's got their own body, 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 uh, aesthetic. But when you got I just it, don't think those those sixties black and white English porn boobs even exist anymore. They don't. No, not not in today's aesthetic. Yeah. There's been a very fucking. Gen- there's been a pretty tight. It's been tightened up it's, a bit. It's like the seventies ass doesn't mm-hmm. exist anymore. The 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 pancake flat ass. Well, it's like the seventies tits don't exist. It's like the eighties bush doesn't exist. Like, like there's a I lot think, of things that don't exist anymore, which actually, is kind of crazy because humans have been around for hundreds of thousands of millions of years. I think maybe you got into it with the, the corporations poisoning us mm-hmm. sort of came in at the same time as the body shapes changing. Mm-hmm. See what I'm saying? Well, I can just say that, um, I was like kind of a pimp in fifth grade and, uh, I would kind of handle my business. And then if you were to go into anywhere nowadays and see fifth graders, like I would probably, um, have a panic attack and run to the bathroom. Because they're huge, you mean? Because they're like, they don't look like the fifth graders that I was like body handling, you know what I mean? No, no, they do not. Things are different. Little grown men. Uh, I wasn't handling men. Okay, so the movie suggests that the stepmother found his porn stash Mm -hmm. of dirty magazines and... You know what's funny? It was behind the levitation tank. The, the immersion tank. Immersion like tank. sister's Yeah, what is that? Something. I don't know. Something to do with the water or... They had immersion eating. tanks. Jesus Christ. You really you really take, like, weird things and you just focus on that thing that don't doesn't bring carry the story forward anymore. I would think poor people in the 60s in London having a small girl with an immersion tank in her room yeah, but you is know- kind of pretty important like why did why did she have that what you is don't that know what an immer- see you don't even know what an immersion tank is so why is it well i didn't have one did you but it's england in the 60s they probably had all sorts of weird things like fucking slops buckets and like what was you that? know fat shafts and stuff <laughs> i don't know okay well i just thought it was weird i just like they hit a bunch of porn behind something that i've never heard of is all it's all i'm saying jesus christ so the Billy, I'm not trying to. I'm this, trying to move this forward. I'm just saying. You're, you're actually what? not, though. You're actually not trying to move it forward. I want you to engage in a conversation. Yeah. But you can't pick up on the immersion tank. And what is take that? It. Okay, fine. Who cares what an immersion? We don't even know if it's. Who cares why a teenage girl has an immersion tank in her room when she's poor in the '60s in London? That's that's means. What nothing. do you think? 
made a motion to. Are you I think it's a big deal. I think it's what happened to like Michael a, Jackson. I think there's something something big has happened here. Why would she even have that? There's no reason to have that, dude. And then it's like all the porn is hidden behind it, and you're like, yes, of course. There's a merchant tanks and human-sized aquarium. Yes, yeah, no. It's cooking her. It's doing something. It's giving her treatment. What do you think it is? Why would that be in her room? It's something to do with the hot water service. Why? And I think because those English, old English apartments... Well, then it'd be a fucking bath, Billy. It wouldn't be an immersion tank in a room. It'd be a bath in the bathroom. We don't even know if it's called an immersion tank. It is. Did you write it down for the movie? Yes. You didn't. Mentally. Yes, it is. You're staring at me in the face and you're lying to me that you wrote down that it was called an immersion tank. We went to your sister's room and pulled all this pornography out from behind the immersion tank. You don't think that's a big deal? I'm going to research it. It's not a big deal. It's It's a big deal. Oh, my God. It's like the fucking radiator or something. Anyway, now I have to go back to the fucking start of this point again. So, the stepmother found some pornographic magazines in a... um, Place in her... In the sister's room behind some kind of tank. An immersion tank? And... She pulled out the magazines and she calls, and this is from the movie, but it's so fucking good. She calls him a filthy little tripound, <laughs> which is about the best fucking thing that you could call anyone. A yeah. filthy little tripound. I've had tripe. And she fucking gets him. He's 14 years old. She puts him in the bathtub and gives him one of those like hard bristle, like scrub baths. You know that you always see in the movies? Yeah, like a like, Christmas get, story. We're like going to get you scrub- clean. Scrub the scrub the vial out of you. Yeah, you're a dirty boy. We're gonna get you nice and clean. We gotta scrub the fucking filth out, yeah. Um. So anyway, I thought that was really cool. So I'm gonna go with that version. But basically, there was some inciting incident, and in February 1961, Graham decides to start experimenting on his family. Because he's not a big fan. He doesn't like them. He doesn't. He is not a big fan. Firstly. His stepmother comes down with a mysterious bug after ingesting half a box of chocolates that were a gift from young Graham. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically started vomiting. She had intense stomach pain. She had diarrhea. She was like not fucking well. And the doctor basically diagnosed it as a nervous stomach disorder. This is kind of the way it goes with like stomach problems too. They can never really... They can never really diagnose you. Are you are you referring to doctors? Yeah. Oh yeah, they can't do anything. No, they can never do. They nothing. know they don't do shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're stu- you're having these crazy stomach things. Um, nervous stomach. Yeah, nervous stomach's always the thing. Oh, your chest hurts. Um, inflamed chest. Yeah. Like, come on, dude. So they basically prescribed her some like milk of magnesia or like one of those weird like chalky Pepto Bismol things. That, basically, that's, not helpful. That soothe your stomach. So, Graham now essentially has the perfect cover because his stepmother now has to have this medicine every day, which, surprise, surprise, the little doctor, Graham, is administering to his mother. Basically, he just basically poisoned the fucking, the medicine and was giving her poison medicine every day. Oh, that's a good way to counteract the medicine. Pretty fucking awesome. So she just starts getting worse and worse and worse. And it's like terrible. Like, you know, she's like bedridden. Like she's in agonizing stomach pain. She's fucking 
barfing and shitting everywhere. You know, it's not good. Mm -mm. So soon afterwards, Graham's father and his sister both have mysterious kind of bouts of of, uh, stomach trouble. And even Graham himself start coming down with these weird kind of nervous stomach things. Attacks. And they're sick for a couple of days and then they kind of get better, right? Mm -hmm. So then the mystery bug soon starts to spread outside of the household um, when some of Graham's school friends also become mysteriously sick. Oh, were they the friends that he didn't like? Well, conveniently, one of them was actually dating a girl that Graham had taken a fancy to. Oh. And he basically poisoned him with a ham and mustard sandwich, basically using, and which he'd got from a book, but using the strong mustard flavor to mm-hmm. cover up the taste of the poison. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And I fucking, I would eat that, dude. I love ham and mustard sandwiches. Yeah. Oh, wait, turkey and mustard is what I like. Yeah, you know, you don't get down with it. I don't need too ham. Much. Ham actually tastes like um, human. Yeah, well, you know, we have, we've gone into that in various other episodes. Um, okay, so the friend becomes sick for a fucking day. So it's, it's sort of starting to get a little bit weird at this point, right? One day in November, okay, so his stepmother had been, she first started showing symptoms in November. I mean, in February. Mm-hmm. Now it's November. Mm-hmm. So she's been sick for the better part of a fucking year. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, they're watching the whole thing. Um, so one morning he makes his sister a cup of tea and she takes it from him and she kind of sniffs it and takes a little sip and it tastes kind of really weird and like sour. So she only drank about a mouthful of it before tipping it out. About an hour later, she's on the train to work and she begins to like have fucking crazy stomach pains and starts to hallucinate on the fucking train. That's awesome. You know how fucking trippy that would be? It's getting dosed, basically. She got fucking dosed. Mm. So, you know, she's freaking out on the train. People basically help her to the hospital and they find out that she had ingested a tropa belladonna which is a highly fucking poisonous plant. Mm. And they were kind of like, how, where could this have come from? Like, this is super weird. But, you know, there was no investigation. But Graham's father immediately suspected He's like the, He's like the little chemist dude that's fucking with everybody. He exactly. had something to do with this. So he's like, what the fuck? You know, where, you know, your sister's sick. What have you done? Like, blah, blah, blah. And Graham basically put it off. He, he, put the blame on his sister and said that she was using um, the teacups yeah. to mix up fucking... Um, Mustache bleach. Yeah, depilatory cream or whatever. So um, his father is kind of like... It seems like a plausible kind of... He's like, I didn't poison her. She poisoned herself when she made the mustache bleach. Exactly. And then she tried She's to drink... She's been using the good china to She's make... She's been using the good china to make mustache bleach so her husband wouldn't know she got a bloody mustache. Yeah. So his dad kind of drops it. They search his room and stuff like that, but they don't really find anything. And his dad just basically ends it and says, "But you know, be more careful with your bloody chemicals next time, Graham. Yeah. And um, so that's kind of it. 
But after this initial suspicion was really aroused, once they'd searched his room and stuff like that, Graham knew that it was pretty much time to make his final blow to the stepmother. And then he had an epiphany. Mm -hmm. He reads a comic book, like a pulp sort of magazine, in which... And I don't know whether this is actually true. I probably should have done the research to see whether this was a thing. But um, he reads in a comic that a group of Dutch resistance fighters in World War II Mm -hmm. basically poisoned the Nazis' uh, water supply Mm -hmm. when they came in to invade their, like, small, like, Dutch town. And um, they used a poison called thallium which is a heavy metal that's often used in rat poison, but which causes horrific, painful symptoms, including um, total hair loss. Like your hair just falls out in fucking clumps. Yeah. And you go super fucking crazy. Yeah. Like you're in so much pain and stuff that you're screaming and you can't talk and stuff like that. And then you like in throes of agony, then you die. And this is the shit that you can't trace, right? Yes. It's untraceable. It's odorless. It's colorless. It's tasteless. And it's in Britain in 1962 or whatever. It was untraceable. And I think that I could be wrong, but I I watched one of those weird like um, forensic files or like Mm -hmm. one of those murder porn things. And it was like there was this one chemical that, yeah, it was like you could poison somebody pretty efficiently and they would die and they would be gone and there would be like no trace of it. And they had read about it in, like, these historical things. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking it's thallium, but I could be wrong. But from, from like, reading this and, like, from what I remember, it was the thing. And it went along so far that they made people that produced thallium put, like, a trace agent in it. Right. So there was, like, nurses and shit that were reading, like, oh, wow, like, you can, like, give them this shit. And then they lose their hair and it looks like they're having, like, a heart attack or whatever and they die and it's untraceable. Mm -hmm. But they had, like, at this point, like, put some shit in it where you could trace it. Right. So they were, like, poisoning people and killing them. And they were, like, yeah, like, it showed up. You used thallium. And they all got caught. Fuck. So it's, like, they put, like, a dye or, like, they a, put like another... A, they put, like, a signifier in yeah, it. Yeah, you yeah, You know yeah. what I mean? So it's, like, it's like one of those things where this is why I don't rob banks and this is why I don't commit crimes is because, like, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not that smart that I can think the step ahead. Yeah. Like, they were, like, smart enough to know, I know this chemical will kill somebody with no trace, but they didn't think one step ahead that, like, maybe at this point in 2001... Yeah. They had something in it that you could trace. Well, remember we watched that cool, um documentary years ago about that they started putting those weird little like colored um bits of plastic in some sorts of explosives yeah and then they could the same thing that's they could, right it would yeah. it would blow everything up but they'd be these tiny little bits of colored plastic and they're like oh that's from the c4 that right. was in this batch that was shipped to these three shops. Right. And they'd be able to, like, trace they'd it. They'd be able to trace and it. They'd never been able to trace, like, explosives before. Right. And so you got some dipshit going, like, I got a pack of C4, but he doesn't know that that has, like, the midnight green mm-hmm. flakes in it. Exactly. So he goes and blows up the fucking World Trade Center, and, and it's, all mid- like, it's all midnight green flex, and they're like, yeah. well, that was from 2001 when we sold it to this dude. Yeah. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you want to commit crimes and you want to get over on people, but like, 
you never know if you're not thinking of the thing that they already thought one step ahead. Well, this is why this is why this case is so like kind of intriguing too, because it was back like it, it was like in the sixties. It was when you know you hear all these things and you're like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like, of course they could have caught him by now and stuff, but it was still like early days with all this stuff. Right. You know. Right. Um. So, colorless, odorless tasteless, untraceable thallium. He procures some from the local pharmacy chemist and gives it to the stepmother and she dies in April 1962. And it's a awful death. Like she, you know, loses her hair. Remember in the movie too? Yeah, the hair starts Ah! And she's like screaming like madness, like drooling kind of thing. It's like fucked up. So she was she was not looking great when she died, um, and she was cremated pretty much as soon as she died. Um, and the family were all kind of reeling in shock, but they were also, you know, the, the they were also were still getting sick because he was poisoning fucking everyone. Yeah, he was so poisoning they're like everybody. seeing this woman die, but they're also like, actually, you know, I don't want to say anything, but I've had I've been feeling fucking terrible, like. They don't know whether they're next, like, you know, they don't know. So, at the time, her the stepmother's death was not death was not really treated as suspicious because she had had a, a car crash a few years ago, and I think they thought she had some kind of stomach complications due to this pre-existing crash, yeah. injury. So they didn't really investigate it. However, one of Graham's aunts basically she knew about you know as if as did everyone in the family but she knew about his fascination with poisons and chemicals and blah 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 and she started to become increasingly suspicious of weirdo little nephew and she urged Graham's father to get his head checked out good luck and uh Basically, they sent him to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist sat down and spoke to him and immediately suggested that they contact the police. So He's like, this dude is off his nut. He is off his fucking rocker. So in May 1962, Graham, who was only then 14 years old, was arrested and he immediately confessed to the attempted murders of his father, sister, and his school friend, and as his stepmother was already cremated, they couldn't test the remains for poison. So I don't know if he was formally charged for the death of his stepmother, but... That's pretty cool. He's like, she's gone and done. Can't catch me for that one, no, motherfuckers. I tried I to kill these people, but, but I didn't. So he was sent to a wonderful place called Broadmoor Hospital. Oh, isn't that from that thing with the Harry Potters? Broodmore Hospital in London. Are you talking about um, fucking uh, Hogwarts? Yes. School for Wizards? Yes. Broadmoor. Oh, I thought it said Hog. Yeah, it's not Hogwarts. Um, Broadmoor. It is a very famous home for the criminally insane, and it is thoroughly notorious. Um, It was riddled with cases of staff abuses and very famous for housing, the worst of the worst, including... 
Ronald Cray. Oh, the Cray Brothers. Of the infamous Cray Brothers. Hell yeah. Um, Mr. Gangster Thug Charles Bronson. Oh, hell Remember yeah. Remember that fucking documentary? Not the actor Charles Bronson, the English killer Charles Bronson. Yeah, who was named after the actor Charles fucking, Bronson. Yeah, that's his, Savage. that's his AKA. He's a fucking madman. Savage. Um, a guy called uh, Robert Maudsley. Oh. AKA Hannibal, Hannibal the Cannibal. The cannibal. And um, uh, Mr. Peter Sutcliffe, a.k.a. the Yorkshire Ripper. Mm-hmm. These are all fucking horrible, horrible, terrible, evil, fucking fucked up criminals. Savages. And um, it was also, interestingly, once staffed, as in this was like a guest weird staff position. Wait, maybe he was like one of the guards? No, no, no. He didn't actually work there. He was still a celebrity, but he would just go and... I think he would go in there and molest the patients is what actually was happening. But it was staffed by Jimmy a man Savile. called Jimmy Savile, who, if you can remember, only a few years ago was recently busted for horrific, long-standing pedophilia ring in Britain. Uh-huh. And he was a the host of a kid's TV show called Jim Will Fix It. He was like a... What's fuck. that? Jim? It was, it was his show. Jim or Fix It? Jim Will Fix It. Jim Will Fix It. What did he do? Fix people's bikes and shit? It was or? just the name of the show, and he was it was like whatever. And he, he would ra- he was raping kids. He worked there, but he in a like unofficial capacity. It was basically a fucked up place, like you know how there's. It all was a those- fucked up place where he like in the military, but the Bob Hope is a fucking molester. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Anyway, um, whilst Graham was basically, it's not a fucking nice place. It's a notorious place. Lots of terrible, terrible people went there, and to top it all off, they were probably diddling all the patients. Right. Let's let's make a bad situation worse. Yeah. So whilst in Broadmoor, Graham was assessed by two different psychiatrists who diagnosed him as suffering from a personality disorder. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Um, it's called the rape kids disorder. <laughs> it's frowned upon in pretty much no, everywhere. he wasn't raping kids. He was just poisoning his fucking stepmother. Oh, I thought we were talking about the fucking Bob Hope guy. No, Graham was assessed as suffering from a personality disorder, a duh, and a schizophrenia, um, which was then classified as psychopathic disorder due to the violence associated with the crimes. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's basically a psycho. He was also placed on the autism spectrum, mm. which explains both his laser-like focus on one subject. He's very into knowing everything about chemicals, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And also his inability to connect with people yes. on those real things, right? Right. He was sentenced to serve a minimum of 15 years. So he's in there. Right? Yeah, it doesn't seem like a lot, but they, don't, they didn't die. They don't do um they don't do long sentences in Britain. Or in in Europe in general. Or in Australia really. Anywhere. Um yeah, it's only it's only really here. It's only really here where you get punished for murdering people. So once he once he was inside Broadmoor, he was although he was thrilled that he was now like a real famous poisoner, which he he'd really wanted. Um he kind of struggled with the idea of like, um, in order to be a good poisoner, you should be un- undetected. But in order to be a famous um, poisoner, you have to get caught, kind right. of thing. So he, he was like the revoke of poisoning. <laughs> he was like the leg- legendary graffiti writer, but at some point he's like, 
I just gotta get caught so everybody knows who I am because like I'm so fucking famous. Like, something. Like how that. long can I go on in the shadows? Yeah, if you're if you're so good at something but you're good at it and no one knows how good you are because it's you're illegal good, or whatever, you know? you're like you gotta be good, dude. Yeah, like, shout out to Revoke. So he was uh, he was pretty much thrilled about about that. But as soon as he kind of got in there, the reality of his surroundings kind of pretty much came to bother him because everyone else in there were actually fucking nutbags, like yeah. criminally insane, yeah. crazy people drooling and screaming and rubbing their shit on the windows. And yeah, it's like, I, that's the thing. Like the, the most thing I dread about prison is not just being in prison, but just the fucking dumb motherfuckers Humanity. that you'd be surrounded. You'd be mm-hmm. surrounded with the dumbest fucking idiots in the world. And you have to spend so much time with just the dumbest people. Yeah, and it would really be that thing unless you unless you went like super psycho violent and got that reputation, you would basically have to put up with people just talking about the worst, like the most boring, dumb shit. And you couldn't really be like, you know what, Damien, shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear about your fucking stupid shit. You'd have to just like listen. Roll with it. Yeah. It'd be like being at work, but like with dumber people. Yeah. Oh man. Can you imagine? I kind of can all those people out there imagine being stuck at work 24 hours a day, but with way dumber people. (laughs) That's what happens when you go to prison. Yep. So he basically decides that he's got to get the fuck out of here. He can't do 15 years with the fucking psychos. Right. You know? It's too much. So he basically started to become the model prisoner. He worked very closely with the prison psychiatrist. He started learning about what they wanted to hear, how to think and act properly. He read um, a bunch of books because while he was in prison... He basically gained access to the library mm-hmm. um, and he basically was reading medical books on psychiatry. He was also reading about his favorite topic. Poisoning? Poisons. Mm-hmm. So he basically continued his experiments while he was in prison um, while running fucking massive long con game on the psychiatrists. Yeah. Um It was rumored that he was so sort of skillful that he was able to extract cyanide from laurel bushes that grew on the hospital grounds. He was so good at fucking doing shit. So he extracted cyanide from the leaves of a plant on the ground Mm -hmm. and um, killed his roommate, his his cellmate. um, Who's probably being really annoying. (laughs) With this cyanide. So he was basically found mysteriously dead. Other staff members reported being sick while Graham was there. So it's pretty much like it was never proven, but it was pretty much suspected that he was just going about his business while he was there while, as I said, playing playing the game with the, the psychologists and psychiatrists. Mm-hmm. But poisoning at will. Poisoning at will. Um. So Graham basically continued his quest for parole and not unlike another famous family killer, uh, American, Mr. Ed Kemper. Oh yeah. That old guy. Who was imprisoned as a teenager for killing both of his grandparents, fucking fooled the system, got out, tricked them. He was sane and then killed a bunch of other people when he got out. Kemper, he wasn't the, uh, 
the skin shade guy, was he? No, that was Gein. Ed Gein. Kemper was the really he fucking was the huge, tall one. He was the huge guy. And he, he killed his grandmother oh, and they yeah. cut off her head and I think he fucked his head, fucked her head. Yeah, he and mouth he, fucked his grandma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he was a massive dude. But he basically did the same thing. He like kind of like played it cool and like figured out mm-hmm. the rules enough to be able to be like, well, if I do this, this, and this, they'll let me out. Yeah. And was released mm-hmm. as like no longer a threat and then went on about the same shit he was doing in the first place. So the same same kind of situation. Basically, Graham managed to fool the doctors through his like intelligence, his research, and he fooled them at their own game. In June 1970... About halfway through his sentence, it was eight years later, um, Graham was recommended for release. He was declared fully recovered. Mm. And it was stated that Young is no longer obsessed with poisons, violence, and mischief. And he was a free man, just 23 years old and uh, ready to start a new life. Well, good for him. So now we go into chapter two of the story. There's another chapter. Another chapter. We're going to make this quick. Yep. Um, so he gets out of prison. He pretty much gets a job at a factory, which is all you could kind of do at the time. In he gets England, a yeah. job at a, a, as a clerk at a factory. And the factory manufactured lenses for military equipment, Ooh. for scopes and, you know, whatnot. Yeah. And... As part of the conditions of his release and, like, the Rehabilitation Act of fucking, you know, London fucking 1964 or whatever, his records were basically sealed when he left Broadmoor and his employees were not informed of his criminal record. So they didn't know that he was poisoning people for, like, a long time. They didn't know any of that. They knew that he had been, like, you know, spent some time in a mental institution, but Mm -hmm. he was fully recovered and he had been rehabilitated. And they probably got some government kickback kickback for hiring people. Like somebody on parole. Yeah. So he he gets there. He's um, he's a free man. Nobody knows his... um, his past or anything. He's working at the military lens factory. Yeah, he's uh, and it's doing not, his it's, best. It's a civilian place. It's not soldiers there or anything. But they just no. It's for military lenses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So he, as he's there, he's sort of touring around. He's getting used to the stuff, and he is shown that the process that they use to make these lenses uses a very familiar chemical to him. They use thallium. Oh, thallium. The to, old... Uh, to make The old lenses. hair fall out, go crazy, die. Yeah. Untraceable. So, I don't think he knew that they were using thallium when he applied You know what I think job. it was? I think it was one of those, like, manifestation, like, the secret kind of things. Yeah. Where you're, like, all day you're thinking about thallium. Mm-hmm. And you're, like, it's not Adidas. It's all day I... Think about that. It's Aditas. 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 All day I think about thallium. <laughs> and so he gets a job somewhere that's just potentially making lenses using thallium using because thallium. that's all he thinks, he about, thinks about. Which is true. Is how he's killed all these people. And this is a really nice fucking moment in the movie too where he's like settling in in his new life and stuff and they, they're 
giving him a tour of the factory and they're like, and the one thing that we need to make this whole process work with the lenses and the bending of the light, we use this special little chemical and they open up a door and it's just like backlit, beautiful, like just green bottles of, of gallium. <laughs> and he's going, holy shit. He's like shit. major fucking boner. Side pipe. He is side He's side piping his pants so hard. And he's going, I made it happen. After all these years in prison, I've made it Manifest happen. Manifest destiny. However, let's just be very clear that the the factory does say that no thallium was actually stored on the premises. And that, in fact, Graham did continue to get his thallium from the pharmacy as he'd done before. No. Nope. Which is kind of interesting too with our current climate here. It's like, oh, he was he was in the mental institution for poisoning people, but yet his name's not on a register where he's banned to buy by poison. Chemicals. Yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. That's kind of weird and topical. Oh, uh, mass shootings and yeah, yeah I see where you're going yeah. with that. Um, however, he um that they that was mainly the company was like hey we didn't actually have thallium on here i mean we use it all the time sure but we didn't care like i think that could have been fucking bullshit whatever Mm -hmm. um but basically the just the 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 fact that thallium was so close and it was planted in his mind again and stuff it was it was a very it was just a matter of a time before people started getting sick Right? Uh, yeah, around this kid, yeah. So pretty soon after he began work at the factory, colleagues become started to become come down with the mysterious fucking illness. Mm-hmm. Um, Were their hairs falling out? Well, not quite. I think he's he's doing he's he's no he knows from experience like how to work the dosages now. You know. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's he, been keeping charts in those books. Yeah, he wants to. So have, he's been keeping like very tight records in all yeah. these books that he has. He wants to have a. He wants to draw this out for as long as possible, you know? Mm-hmm. So, firstly, his foreman, who, again, was had kind of been, you know, riding Graham or something. He was like an easy victim. He was a bit of a dick around the office, you know? Oh, the boss? Yeah, those guys are quite often the dick. So, the foreman um, grew ill, stomach problems, soon died mm-hmm. in agonizing pain. And it's weird because he had come down with a sickness and then a few other people had started to have tummy troubles too. And then all of a sudden you're all there with the tummy troubles and this guy like dies in fucking hospital. Mm Kind of crazy, right? So they, they hire somebody to replace the foreman and he soon starts to become ill with his stomach uh, problems. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. And he quits. Yeah, good for him. He's like out of there. And um, he makes a full recovery. He's fine. Everyone else at the the office still started having various degrees of of stomach troubles. And the workplace basically nicknamed it the Bovington Bug. Because nobody knew what it was. They all thought it was a fucking stomach bug. The factory was in Bovington. Oh, Bovington would be some like shitty like English industrial So young Graham managed to poison seven fucking people while he was working at this factory. Easy. Um, Conveniently, one of his tasks was making the tea. Of course. 
and that this was back in the days when they would have like a tea cart and you know they would they would go through the offices and like drop mm-hmm. off cups of tea and stuff right and Graham would basically dose each cup accordingly and as Rob so he was like just trying to kill everybody yeah uh, Rob mentioned that he kept detailed notes of the mm. dosages and effects now again in the movie they have I don't know how factual this was. He was called the teacup killer because mm-hmm. he was poisoning their cups of tea. Yeah. But this device that I thought was really neat, in the movie, each person has their own, like, mug that they've bought from home. Right. So there's, like, you know, a world's best grandpa. There's a I hate Mondays. There's, you know, yeah. they all have their stupid fucking mug that they yeah, use. The funny mug. So Graham basically knows, like, oh... Uh, Rob Meinhardt has the, you know, fucking... I hate Mondays. I hate Mondays mug. Billy's is the, you know, shitty bunch of flowers, etc., etc. So, therefore, he could... Because he was doing... He was using, I think, different poisons at this point, too. Uh-huh. So, he could be like, oh, Billy, I'm going to dose, like, three mils of fucking antimony sulfide... Um, on Tuesday and then on Thursday I'm going to give her a thallium and like he would just do all these crazy fucking different poisonings poisonings but on each person was a different test test subject yeah so that was super neat in the um in the movie as a device because it was like he he had them all memorized he had them all going and then one day he opens the cupboard and it's all new mugs yeah because basically that's kind of what fucking happened. Um, a few months after the foreman died, another colleague was admitted to the hospital for nervous diseases, nervous stomach situation. Mm-hmm. He too very quickly died in like horrific fucking agony. So it soon became very clear that an investigation needed to happen at the factory, right? Mm-hmm. So this is when Rob was saying in, in the film, they come in, they clean all the fucking kitchen, they throw out all the mugs and all the old teapots and everything like that. And they give them all generic company mugs. So Graham is like, Oh fuck. I don't know who's is who's. And he kind of fucks himself up, Yeah, you know, but, um, basically they had sent in doctors to check it out. And while the doctors were investigating Graham, who couldn't fucking help showing off how clever he was, started asking the doctor, have they, have you um, ever looked into, have you ever considered the possibility of thallium poisoning and blah, blah, blah. He just couldn't, and you can just imagine it. I know those people. He couldn't fucking help himself. They just can't help themselves from fucking themselves. Yeah. So he asked that also around the same time, he bragged to one of his uh, workmates that his hobby was studying toxic chemicals. Mm-hmm. Um, the workmate basically went, fuck this. Yeah, everybody's um, sick. And went you're- to the police or basically, you know, the police were there and uh, they're like, oh, by the way, check out Graham. He thinks he's a fucking expert on toxic chemicals. <laughs> um, he's also the tea mistress. He's also also happens to be the tea mistress. He also happens to be the tea mistress who serves his all teas and he normally has all generalized special mugs, but they've all been taken away because everybody's dying. He's also, I'm not going to lie, he's a bit of a fucking funny bloke. He's a bit of a fucking pisser. Um, anyway, they get a search warrant, they go to his house and they find um, various quantities of antimony, 
thallium, and another poison called aconitine. I don't know what that one does. And when he was arrested, he was actually carrying a vial of thallium in his coat pocket, just carrying it around with him. It's kind of awesome. Maybe for his, like... Exit dose. Exit dose. Like, what are you doing? Drink this. Catch me later, cats. Um, And they also found... The fucking detailed diary, the young poisoner's handbook, handbook, handbook yeah. if, you, if you will, that contained every little detail about dates and dosages and times and effects on what the poisonous has had on right. these our people, uh, right. victims. And the gist of that that handbook was that wasn't it the English teacher? Am I mixing two stories together? But it was the Eng- maybe it was the English teacher said like write everything down. I'm not going to read it, but it's like a thing for you. No, that was what you you told me about. Somebody else had a journal who did that. No. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, man. Anyway, he wrote all this shit down in a handbook that a uh, chemist gave him. And yeah. So they had a lot of evidence after they finally caught him. Yeah, yeah, he was kind of fucked, and when they um when they kind of. The, the other thing I, I want to mention, too, is in this book that we keep talking about, he he sort of chillingly did record whether he was intending to let that victim live or die. Yeah. So and, he he would, was, and he had charts with the amount of dosage. Yeah, he would have the charts, but like, he would yeah. have, yeah, like subject number 1A fucking, you know, I hate Monday's mug is, is exhibiting these signs they will be poisoned to death kind of thing. Like he, yeah. he was like playing ultimate puppet master. Um, so he, at his trial, Graham claimed that his diary was merely fantasy. He was working on a novel. This did not go down very well. The fantasy thing is a classic. Yeah. And uh, poor old Graham was sentenced to life in prison. So he was sent to another very notorious British institution, Parkhurst Prison, one of the most famous um, prisons in Britain. And he met and befriended a certain Mr. Ian Brady of the notorious Moore's murderers, who was a fucking evil Oh, the Moore's murderers, yeah. That was a big one. And... um, they both basically shared an intense interest with uh, Nazi Germany. Unpopular. Very unpopular. That's not popular to and do And in that. his book that uh, Ian Brady wrote from prison called The the Gates of Janus or Janus or something, um, he said, this is Ian Brady, killer of kids. Killer of kids. Said. Sympathizer of Nazis. Said. It was hard not to have empathy for Graham Young. So he... He, he pulled seemed one... Seemed like yeah, a little, pulled, you know, little sad sack. Well, maybe he pulled one over on a couple of people. So, despite the movie's kind of cool but very unrealistic device um, where he committed suicide by ingesting diamond dust... Yeah, which... I don't. Can you do that? I don't know. I just said I've got in my notes that's totally how I want to die by the Yeah. Way. Because I would think, does the diamond dust just, like, shred your fucking organs? Yeah, but it wouldn't even. Like, what I would like to do is, like, yeah, grind it up into lines and just snort diamonds and then you die. But I'm pretty sure that's not going to work. I know that diamonds are the hardest substance, right? So there's, like, sandpaper and, like, cutting tools made out of diamond shit because it's so hard. But 
Um, that's also like snuff. Like you know how Germans like snort snuff yeah. instead of smoking or whatever. It's, snuff is fucking awesome. Yeah, snuff's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We had foreign exchange students that gifted it to my dad. Yeah, it's so good. But that fucks up your nasal passages. Like you don't die. Like I don't think I don't think you just die anyway, from snorting it was diamonds. A, it's a cool little thing in the movie, but it wasn't true. He basically Graham died peacefully in prison of a heart attack in 1990. Yeah, because in the movie they kept saying like, "Oh, he wants the diamond. He wants the diamond." There was like yeah, some was, weird subplot about him having a diamond, his mother's diamond, or whatever. Not, so he got a diamond, and then he like scraped the fuck out of a diamond with a razor blade. Doesn't make sense. And then can't, can't cut a diamond. Yeah, because um, aluminum or steel or whatever the razor blade was made out of couldn't cut a diamond. But he was scraping this diamond, and then he snorted all the diamond dust to kill himself. Which, like Billy he, said, yeah, would be he fucking awesome. It. He licked it, I think. He licked fucking it off his cool. hand. Cool way. Um, but Doesn't work. I don't think that works. But, um, you know, whatever, dude. Like, point being, like, kid's dead. Uh, he had a very uh, wild history of poisoning people in England. Okay. And, um, so, dot, dot, dot. That's, no. The end. Dot, the end. dot, dot. Uh, asterisk. Footnote. Oh, we got footnotes. This is just going to be real quick. But... I read about this case, I think, when I was, like, 13 years old. Um, The book is sensational, called The Young Poisoner's Handbook. Mm -hmm. It's totally worth – I totally recommend it. The movie is also a great movie, made Mm -hmm. in 95. It's a weird, very dark, humorous um, British movie. Pretty pretty good. I liked it. Um, But while I was researching this, I found an interesting little footnote that I wanted to add because I certainly never knew about this. So – um, it seems that while he was not the ladies' man in life, Mr. Graham Young finally did have a female fan because in November 2005, a 16-year-old Japanese schoolgirl was arrested for poisoning her mother with thallium. Oh, sick. And she claimed that she had seen the 95 movie she had read his diary and she claimed that she was fascinated by Young. Um, and she kept an online blog of her dosages, reactions, and photos of her mother in various stages. That's amazing. And she was sickness. all online for everybody to see. Yes. That is so fucking amazing. So she was, yeah, she was caught in 2005. She it's hard to not get caught when you're posting the the, poise, the poison dosages you're giving how, your mom in photos. That's of. not how I think she really got got found. I, I don't think that really came into it. The girl basically she can she can't be named for legal reasons. She's 16, I guess. Um, well, she was 16 when this happened. If she, there's grass on the field, play ball. She denied. The poisoning after her arrest, but very shortly after finally admitted to trying to kill her mother. Um, although she said that she she wasn't actually, she didn't have a grudge. Oh, it says this in a minute. A family court in Shizuoka, Shizuoka, Shizuoka. Um, heard that the 17-year-old gave her mother thallium in her tea. She kept a, she kept a blog featuring pictures of her victim who fell into a coma the girl held no grudge. She just wanted to experiment. Yeah, I get that. Like, Investigators said. Like, I got no grudge with you, Mom. I just want to make you an experiment where I kill you. Yeah. 
The girl's diary also... By poisoning you and your tea. <laughs> her diary also described poisoning small animals to death. And investigators also found a book about Graham Young. Mm -hmm. She began the poisoning and continued to do so even after her mother was confined to hospital. There you go. So I'm assuming she would bring her poisoned food and shit in the yeah, hospital. Yeah, because if you stop... Kind of amazing. If you stop then, she's going to get back to good. Um, media reports say the girl also poisoned herself to try to evade suspicion. Like, she's like, we were both eating, um... Which I think is... Shrimp katsuya, and we both got poisoned. Which I think is kind of quite common, and I think that was Graham's Graham did too. that once. He ate it. Yeah, I think he a couple poison, of times. Yeah. Or he'd be, like, poison something and then kind of forget that he did it and whatnot. Poison himself, yeah. So the judge, um, said that the girl had developmental problems since childhood mm -hmm. and needed to undergo correctional education for a considerably long period. Anyway, she, after the trial, she was sent to a reform school. So essentially the same kind of like mental institution. Yeah. But if we know in anything, Japan, if we know anything about Japanese fucking, uh, <laughs> uh, law system fucking criminal justice system yeah she's gonna be out or she's probably she's out probably already out now just like fucking izzy sagawa the yeah. fucking japanese french cannibal yeah. dude she's probably already poisoning people as we speak so i just i thought that was kind of important that graham did not necessarily um have wasn't the world was not kind to graham so <laughs> graham um became the master of his own domain yeah but I think it was important to end on that footnote that, you know, he kind of, he kind of did make a mark. He did, a girl kind of did like him, you know? Yeah, a little Japanese girl, poison her mom, liked him. Yeah. So and it's it, kind of a happy ending. It, 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it is. Yeah, you're right. The world wasn't kind to him. He was unkind to the world and the cycle just keeps spinning. And as long as it keeps spinning, we'll keep grinning. Oh, man, that was good. I, I ain't got nothing to say after that. Peace, everybody. Fucking don't, don't poison anyone. <laughs> or, no, don't. I'm not going to say the other thing. You know? You got, you got any final thoughts, Rob? Final you know, thoughts. Your hair looks like a fucking... You look like you're in Broadmoor right now. I've got fucking Einstein across the table from me and not in the smart way. Just in the fucking crazy hair way. I got to say, peace, poison, and anal grease, everybody does their peace. Let's live our life the way we should and not treat people the way we could. Because the best thing in this life is to be free. And let's not poison everybody. Good night, everybody. Let's be kind to one another. That was beautiful. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week. And um, we're glad to be back. What's up? What's going on?